Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Keith Miller. Keith is the President and Chief Operating Officer for Partnerships for Dentists. Prior to Partnerships for Dentists, Mr. Miller led Legacy ER at Urgent Care and tripled the size of the organization. And before that, that's where you, I, I think you started in dental, you were at Dental One and you grew them to over 150 locations. I mean, that that's an amazing last couple of jobs. I know now you guys are have, have grown since we've worked together. Man, I would love to hear your origin story of how you got into dental and from Dental One to where you are today. Tell me about the journey. Sure. So um, I actually uh, started with uh, Aldi Foods out of college, straight out of college. They had a, a program that uh, you went right into middle management. So they had a year training program, and then you became a, a district manager for them. And I did that for a couple of years. I got promoted to a director of operations, uh, and I was responsible for three different states, uh, for Ohio, um, Michigan, and New York. Uh, and then in 2000, uh, this was, I lived in Ohio. And in 2000, I moved down to Texas, and I started up a, a company very similar to the Aldi down here. And uh, the sponsor, the uh, the wholesale company that uh, sponsored me was actually Kmart's wholesaler. And uh, in two years, we opened up 22 grocery stores. It was a beating. Uh, we worked very hard. Um, but at that same time, um, Kmart went bankrupt. Uh, and that caused the company, it was called Fleming, to go bankrupt. So um, I, I got to see an actual uh, $21 billion company go bankrupt in a matter of days. So uh, obviously they had no use for a, uh, in bankruptcy for a brand new 22 store grocery chain. And so I left there and uh, happened to meet up with the CEO of uh, Dental One. And Dental One had just formed uh, in Texas and uh, they had bought a bunch of practices and put them together, but really didn't have, um, a game plan to organize things and get them strategically on the same platform and, um, you know, get everyone educated on uh, the business and growing the business. And uh, with my education through Aldi predict predominantly on, on how to manage people and lead people and uh, be able to have good organization and accountability uh, that we were able to put together a really great team at Dental One. Uh, we built it up to, I think it was around 70 practices and we sold in 2008 to MSD Capital. Um, and then a year later, we did a, a rather large merger with a company called uh, Dental Care Partners out of Cleveland. And um, then we became Dental One Partners. So I combined those two companies and uh, we continued to grow. And uh, that was uh, up until 2015. And I decided to leave there and, and uh, then go to Legacy ER. A uh, very unique concept, a uh, great company. I did that for two years and uh, it just so happens my non-compete was up and I had an opportunity to uh, meet Dr. Uh, Sagani, who owns Encore Enterprises and uh, start up Partnerships for Dentists. And so that was 2017. Uh, since then, we've uh, grown pretty significantly uh, that uh, we're at 35 locations and our concept is to partner with dentists uh, and help them with their business and help them take some chips off the table uh, from an ownership standpoint, but at the same time, uh, help them relieve them of all the headaches of having to do all of the management of their practice. And uh, so today we have uh, partnerships in our 
our practices. We do about 100 million in revenue and we still continue to grow. So we're, we're excited about where we are. We're excited about our future. And, uh, you know, it's always been an exciting industry to be in. How do you balance the coming into a practice, working with a dentist who's probably owned their own practice for, for you know, several years or, or you know, perhaps decades? What in your mind is the best case scenario of coming in and partnering with someone? Uh, you know what? We, we're we very, I guess, uh, hands off in that standpoint that we we only, um, you know, get involved in the practice to the levels that the doctor want us to. So um, obviously we have to all be on the same payroll systems. Uh, you know, we have some uh, strategic partners with our vendors that that we like to have the economies of scales and use. But when it comes to running the practice, uh, you know, we, we truly partner with the doctor. And, you know, it's not like we come in and say, this is the way it's going to be done. Uh, truly, it's like, hey, we may see some opportunities. We discuss those with the doctors. And is that something that uh, they recognize and they want to try to improve the practice or that's something they don't want to do? Uh, but it's definitely not uh, top down from that standpoint. It's it's more of a partnership that they, we just want it to be a win-win. And when, when you have actual partners in your practice, uh, you know, they have equity value. And in uh, in our business, equity value really is, is uh, times a multiple. So when you help a practice uh, become more productive or you help them save money, the owners are benefiting from that. And, and in, in a lot of cases, significantly because of the type of the multiples that our companies are worth. So it's, it's really a, um, it's a strategic partnership that uh, hopefully that everyone can see a big picture and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, in the long run that uh, the doctor's going to be with us for a long time and they can see, you know, a significant growth in their nest egg and the retirement because of their affiliation with us. Yeah. You've sold to, you know, private equity and I've been part of some things and it's, life-changing money and where your salary tends to go to sustaining the lifestyle and income rises to meet expenses. But, you know, those equity and the, the first bite and the second bite of the apple tend to be, you know, potentially add generational wealth sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we, we like to explain that to doctors that, uh, you know, the money that you pay for a practice upfront when you're buying a uh, percentage of equity from the doctor, um, you know, that's that's well and good, but truly the, the biggest upside is their equity that they own. And over time, um, that, that equity can grow significantly, like you mentioned. And, and not only that, I'm, we're a little unique in the fact that we give distributions. So, um, you know, in some cases, there are companies in our industry that, uh, that the, the uh, companies don't always give distributions, that they're equity is kind of captured into the company and they get to see an upside once the company sells. Um, but obviously if the company never sells or the company doesn't do well, you know, their money's captured there. And right. in our, um, in our company that we do give quarterly distribution. So, uh, the doctors are actually pulling a significant amount of money out of the practice on a quarterly basis. So it's a constant, uh, and consistent return versus, having to maybe hope and pray for five years down the road that, that the company will sell and, and have a big upside to it. No, no. Are you, did we just hit on the two biggest challenges that you 
are typically faced with doctors and overcoming is, you know, stay out of my clinical care and how am I going to cash in the, this future equity I have in the, in the parent company? Is that, does that tend to be the, the two biggest, you know, challenges that they have to join? I think there's a lot of um, perceptions and potentially misperceptions of what it's like to be with a DSO. And and everyone does things a little different. Uh, you know, I've been doing it long enough that I think we found a pretty good sweet spot and balance. Um, you know, one one thing that, um, that, that doctors need to understand, and, and we try to get educated on that, if we were to purchase a percentage of their practice and it did no better five years from now than it's doing today, then we've all lost. And, you know, truly anyone who would want to invest in our company and, you know, potentially uh, buy out the investors in our company, they don't want to buy uh, an asset that sits the same, right? They want, they want something that will grow. It's no different than you and I, if we were to buy a, a share of Apple or Tesla or Microsoft or whatever, like if those, if those uh, companies don't have growth or significant growth, then guess what? The share price goes down. And that, that is something I think is probably one of the, the least represented or uh, most misunderstood portion is there's a lot of companies that will tell doctors, hey, you don't have to change a thing, just stay the way you are. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that is not what people want to invest in. <laughs> they don't want a consistent flat line. Uh, people mm -hmm. want an investment that's gonna go up. And so, um, you know, I think one of the, the the bigger struggles is telling our story because a lot of us do the same things or similar things, but telling our story through numbers to show that we actually have an impact on doctors' lives financially. And um, we, we actually, you know, uh, first year that a uh, typical practice that affiliates with us, their earnings or EBITDA goes up by 30% or more. And so that means that, you know, first year that the doctor's equity value has gone up by 30%. Which right. if you times that versus a multiple ends up being a really big number. And, and those are the things that are more understanding because doctors just aren't used to dealing with numbers or dealing with these markets and financial trading and so forth. So the education process when everyone is selling, so everyone's selling what, what they think the future will look like. It's, it's more of the doctor being able to understand that and understand the differences and then understand, you know, which of the companies are actually going to be able to deliver on the promise that they're telling them. Yeah. I always admired the way that you spoke about the dentist and, and, you know, in yeah. meetings with them and then, you know, privately as you and I were talking about practices and how to market it, you know, several years ago. And if you, if you're just on the outside looking in, some DSOs will say anything they can do to get their foot into the door, even you don't have to change anything and everything's gonna be fine. But like, of course you have to change things. And of course you have to grow your business because you're absolutely right. Like no one wants to buy a business that you want to sit stagnant in. I, I think that Right. Dentists need to understand that there is a level of growth and maturity and evolution that needs to occur. Now, I love the 30% EBITDA improvement that you mentioned. It, it, being so quickly in that first year, do you find it's mostly the economies of scale around solidifying the, the vendors and, and different different avenues they use and revenue cycle management? Or is are you layering in additional treatments? Like, what encompasses the bulk of that 30% EBITDA growth? It, it is mostly economies of scales, the contracts that we have. Um, you know, we have incredible vendors that we work with. 
Um, you know, I think up and down the P&L uh, from an extent standpoint, probably almost every line except labor that we can help them, you know, achieve a, a better result on cost. Uh, we don't do anything with labor, like we don't try to cut people or, or do anything like that. Um, but from a cost standpoint, we can help uh, definitely on an RCM standpoint that uh, we have, a, a you know, great people that work in our, our RCM department that help go clean up their AR. So we always see a big bump on the collection side because we're cleaning up a lot of AR that potentially wasn't paid attention to or followed up on with the insurance companies and, and so forth. So I, I think it's a, a, a mere basket of uh, opportunities and every practice is a little different, but you know, as long as we can have a positive outcome and a positive impact at the end of the day, that's kind of our scorecard. And, and, and really that's what I tell doctors is, you know, if you're interviewing each company, I'll, I'll show you all the practices that we bought in the last, you know, six years, seven years, and we'll show you each one, how each one did the year after we bought them. And, and I would challenge anyone to do that with any other company that's, you know, we're, you know, potentially going to work with them and see if they have that same type of scorecard, because I think that's where we, we excel. One of my best friends, he used to run Biz develop business development for a man named Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson, you know, was the first black billionaire and bought and sold hundreds of companies in a year. And uh, Tark and I have an interesting history. He's an amazing human being, and and I love him dearly. But he said something that I will take to my grave. He said, "It is easier to divorce your wife than it is your business partner sometimes, and you better pick them good." And man, I think about that every time I get, you know, pitched a deal or something like that is, it is, it is a marriage in, it is a financial marriage a lot of times. And, and I think you need that trust to have the confidence that everyone's doing what they say and saying what they do consistently enough to grow, to grow the organization. Yeah. I, I use that analogy all the time. And when I, when I talk to potential doctors and, and tell them, hey, listen, you know, this, this is a big commitment. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think doctors at times see the dollar signs of things and say, you know, yeah, I'd love to sell my practice. Um, but I, I still want every bit of the ownership autonomy that I used to have. And, you know, the, the difference is, is if you're selling 70% of your practice, there's another investor on the other side of that, that now, you know, has a little say into what's going on. And, um, you know, in our, in our world, it's, it's very, I guess, partnership oriented. It's not, it's not top down, you know, kind of heavy handedness, but, uh, it, it is that balance of saying, Hey, I, I want it all right. Like I, I want the money for my practice, but I still want everything to be exactly the same. And I want to be able to do everything the way I used to have. But, um, unfortunately that when you do get married financially in a partnership in business, that there, there is another party there that, you know, has a bit of a say so and what's going on. And it's, mm -hmm. I think it's how you, um, how you treat that partnership is what makes it successful or not. And, and I think that's probably one of the more difficult parts of doing this business is uh, maybe the intention of what the doctor wants out of it versus what the future may look like together with a partner. And uh, that's, that's one of the harder parts of trying to make sure you have a successful go forward relationship. And, you know, investors are going to want you to have a successful go forward relationship for the next 20 years. 
Like they, they, they're not thinking about this as a five-year deal or a 10-year deal. They want to buy into a business that has a long runway. And, um, you know, sometimes in our business that, that people are more at the end of their career and you're thinking about retirement and so forth. And it's, it's all of our jobs to figure out how to um, have a good uh, transition plans to make sure the business keeps going the way it has always gone because that's anyone that's holding equity in the business that's how that's how their equity will grow is if you right. can continually grow the practices regardless of if the doctor has retired or or you know moved on or whatever it may be but uh, th those are the challenges that we face and and i think our whole you know it's not not us but our whole industry faces those same challenges i'm glad you hit on that i i, I have two questions for you really the the first is I've heard some people talk that we will be 70% consolidated. And I think right now we sit somewhere around 25 to 30% consolidated. If I know that we will be 70% consolidated in around five to 10 years, depending on how aggressive you are on that scale. I, I, I want to get your take on what's happening in the industry. And, you know, is that clickbait or is that, is that, is that a number, you know, you believe. And the second one is, how are you integrating associates in as your partner doctors are selling? And, and again, I know you're building for, for the longevity of it versus, you know, two or three years, but answer those in any order you want. I just, those are kind yeah. of where my head went. So I was, I was at a conference last week and the number came up 80%, uh, you know, in the next 10 years, uh, that, that 80% of the dentists would be affiliated with some sort of group, which, you know, it kind of makes sense if you think about medical and, and dental is probably 15 years behind medical. Um, but, you know, how, how many doctors just hang their own sh shingle today in medical? Like everywhere you go, it's all group practices. So um, if you think about why, the whys of it, uh, the cost of school for these dental students are, you know, upwards half a million dollars. Uh, so, you know, you, you graduate dental school, you're, you're young, a lot of people potentially have a family, they have to get a car, they have to get a house, and then they have a half a million dollars uh, in debt on top of that. Uh, so, you know, because of the competitiveness to buy dental practices, they're, they're very expensive. And, you know, there are multiples of five, six, seven, even eight times people are paying for dental practices. So it's it's pretty much made it unaffordable for the, the younger generation of dentists to be able to go in and do a solo practice. On top of that, that uh, as, as you know, that, um, you know, groups that are focused on the business side of it tend to do those things better. And that could be in marketing, that could be in accounting and finance, that could be in, um, you know, different things like IT and, you know, the, you know, being able to buy things more effectively, definitely on supplies and labs. Uh, but all of those things kind of combined make it uh, why the, the DSO model will end up working and, and working well. And again, it's just following the model of medical, but you're also seeing um, across the whole platform of, you know, solo healthcare businesses like veterinarian, uh, dermatology, uh, you know, they're all consolidating, every one of them. And, you know, they're, they're a little bit behind dental, but it's, um, I know vet is just growing fast. Like vets, vets are being swooped up faster, way faster than even dental. So, you know, I, I think all those things together that I don't think it's a pipe dream or clickbait. I do think it's it's potentially uh, 
you know, where we're going to be in the next 10 years. And then uh, um, this, the second question is with the associates. And so, you know, it's, that's a tougher one because it's a transition and, um, you know, potentially your, your more experienced doctors are more productive than your uh, doctors that are young. So, um, you know, it's bridging that gap to help uh, fulfill the younger doctors with more education and see and help them with some of the skills they may not have. And, you know, it, it comes down to in dentistry, the doctor, you know, being able to see a picture, right? It's, you know, some doctors can look in a mouth and see the whole picture in the mouth and be able to diagnose, you know, for all four quadrants. And, and some get focused on just one tooth or, you know, a, a, a chief complaint from a patient. So it's really helping the doctor with not only seeing the picture, but being able to verbalize to a patient on how to, you know, correct the problems without scaring the patient to death. And those are the big things for us is, you know, helping the younger generation of doctors get the tools necessary to be able to be as productive as a doctor that maybe have done it for 30 years. And also looking at some of the newer procedures and things like implants and uh, maybe, uh, you know, invisible braces and things like that, that can help, you know, having those in their treatment mix to make sure that they can, you know, help patients with as, mu with as much treatment as they possibly can without having to refer it out to a specialist. Oh, I, I'm glad that you hit on, you know, adjacently CE. How, how do you handle CE in the... It, partnerships for dentists? I mean, do you have a list of, hey, we love these, or do they get to decide their own? Talk me through a little bit of how, you know, you would roll out clear liners or you would roll out implants into a practice. Yeah, we, we have, uh, you know, true great relationships with our vendors and anything from endo to implants to invisible braces, our, our vendors completely support us. And um, we're, we're getting ready to plan a, um, an event in September for implants for our doctors. And there's, there's already 30 doctors that want to attend. So, you know, in those, those things we, we actually have in all of our contracts that, that we'll pay an X amount of CE for our doctors. And, and in these cases, when we work through our vendors, we try to do it for free. Uh, so it doesn't cost the doctor anything but time. So it's, it's truly, um, you know, aligning with the right, uh, partners in the industry, be it if it's implants, invisible braces, and whatever it may be, that they can help us with those trainings and make it affordable for both us and the doctor. No, oh, that's great. And Keith, gosh, I, I'm, we're coming up on time, and I'm so uh, appreciative of of your time. And man, I, I I miss working with you. I loved working with you a few years ago. Uh, it was it was a great ride, and I, I know that uh, you know as you grew, we've we've all moved on, but. Uh, thank you so much for your time and man, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely starting the company, you know, we partnered with you guys from day one and uh, you really helped us bridge a gap from, you know, being infantile till we, we could get more juvenile and grown up and figure things out. But uh, it was great working with you and, and we certainly uh, cherish and appreciate those uh, early years together.